Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Welcome to a Wednesday, March 3rd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Um, a frustrating edition for sure. Uh, coming out of the weekend, three straight wins to go into Pittsburgh in that first game, come away with a 5-2 loss is frustrating. It's frustrating because the power play went 0 for 5. It's frustrating because every time the Flyers scored, both times, the first time they scored to open the scoring in the game, Pittsburgh scored a minute seven seconds later. And then the second time they scored to get back within a goal of Pittsburgh at 3-2, to two, they scored a minute and seven seconds later. That's frustrating. If you finally get something going, you get rewarded for working hard and doing the right things, and then you give it right back. That That's one of those things that frustrates me. After you score that next shift or a couple of shifts, yeah, you have a team where you want them, and you're recapturing momentum. I, I always talk about this, that the game of hockey is about obtaining momentum, doing everything you can to keep momentum, but when you lose momentum, doing everything you can to swing it back in your favor and to have it swing back after you score twice, a minute and eight and a minute and seven after you scored your goals, that's frustrating. Uh, the Flyers did uh, put 42 shots on Tristan Jari. Uh, they outshot the Penguins 42 to 27. But yet again, further proof that the shot total doesn't mean everything. It means, yeah, they had a lot of shots and a lot of shots got through to the Penguins, uh, but they didn't have enough high-danger chances in the game. I thought Jari was good in the game. I didn't think he was spectacular. It didn't look like a 40-save goalie stole you a win type of game from Tristan Jari. He, he did what he had to do, but the Flyers didn't have enough high-danger chances mixed in with that 42. 42 meant they had a lot of offensive zone time, yes, uh, but the Penguins on 27 shots, they end up with the five goals. Really, it's four because the it wasn't even considered an empty net goal. Carter Hart was going to the bench to with the goal to pull the goalie, and he got about halfway there. And when Travis connecting didn't get that puck deep, Matheson throws it the length of the ice, ice and scores. And Hart's trying to scamper back to get that, but unfortunately for him, that that will go down as a, a goal he allowed. Uh, it will go down against his goals against average and his save percentage. Not that that really matters, but um, it does go down as a goal against Carter Hart. And all said and done, it's a frustrating 5-2 loss to the Penguins. Penguins poured it on in the second period after the Flyers scored and eventually get a little momentum back late in that second period. They go to the power play to start the third, can't get a goal to get within one. They get another power play right after that, don't get anything out of that either. And to go 0 for 5 on the power play against the Penguins, this is something I talked about on the pregame show. The, the frustrating part about that is the Penguins come into that game 29th ranked on the penalty kill. And then you go 0 for 5 on the man advantage. That's an area you have to exploit. The Flyers come into the game ranked about the middle of the league, 18th on the power play, but are unable to get anything on the Penguins when they take five minor penalties. Uh, the, the Flyers' PK... 27th coming into the game. As I said, the Penguins is 29th. Flyers gave up a power play goal to the 26th ranked power play, which was the Penguins, and without Crosby. So uh, just a frustrating game from from stem to stern. And we're going to answer a bunch of Twitter questions because I, I know people are frustrated. And, and part of the, the narrative is the Flyers, yeah, they had a three-game win streak. They beat the Rangers, and they beat a really abysmal Buffalo Sabres team. So I wasn't falling for that. Well, here's the fact of the matter real quick. Before we get to Elaine Vino as well in his postgame um, thoughts, and he and he's not too pleased either, um, like I am, and, and like all of you. But the fact of the matter is this: 
is that the Flyers, they do only have five regulation losses in 19 games. And while their play has been pretty wildly inconsistent in the sense that the process, especially in the beginning portion of the season, didn't look good and they were still getting wins, they still do have only five regulation losses in 19 games. They have 11 regulation and overtime wins. They have, uh, when you go by points percentage, they're right there at the top of the division, top of the NHL for that matter, uh, when you go by points percentage. They're sitting in the fourth spot in the division right now, but that's also because they've played less games. In some cases, three less games than other teams in the division. It so, And you're not going to win every game, but games like this can be frustrating. I mean, when you look at, when you go by points percentage, the Flyers right now with that loss, they dropped to the third spot in the division because Washington got a win tonight. So they moved to the second spot at 667 win percentage. And the Boston Bruins are now at the top when you calculate it by win percentage at 684. Pittsburgh at 595 is in the fifth spot. And in between the Flyers and Pittsburgh is the New York Islanders, who in the regular standings by points uh, are ahead of the Flyers. But the Flyers have played uh, more ga- less games, three less games than the New York Islanders. Flyers have 25 points through 19 games. The Bruins, 26 points through 19 games. 28 points for the Islanders and the uh, Capitals. Isles have played 22. Caps have played 21. So the Flyers, for all that's taken place so far, are one point back of what we would deem to be the best team in the division, the Boston Bruins. They've each played 19 games. The Bruins have 26 points. The Flyers have 25. So while this loss was frustrating, you know, people want to say, well, those wins over the Sabres. Well, before the game against Pittsburgh, the Flyers had one regulation loss to a team not named the Bruins. So they did beat the Islanders twice, who have 28 points. They did beat the Capitals in their one and only game against the Capitals. They did beat the Penguins twice in regulation. So by my calculations, they are three, four, five, and one against those three teams, the teams that they're battling with for playoff positioning, other than the team that they're 0-3-2 and against, the Boston Bruins. So all is not lost, but I get the frustration. I understand the frustration, and we're going to address the frustra- frustration and the issues of frustration in Twitter questions. But let's get to Elaine Vigneault right now. The head coach had a chance to talk about this game with the media after, and here's what he had to say. Hey, uh, you got 42 shots tonight. I, I guess you're happy with that number, but did, did you think too many of them were from the perimeter and uh, you made things a little too too easy for uh, Jari? You know, I, I think our, our problem tonight was, was was through that neutral zone. We made a couple of plays through the neutral zone or other near near their blue line uh, that that cost us coming back the other way. But uh, we uh, definitely, I mean, they played they played hard hard tonight, and uh, they won a few battles that, that uh, gave them real good opportunities. Uh, give them credit. Give them full marks on that. Uh, Couple plays from our side that uh, you know we needed to be better at. We weren't. We're gonna have to, you know, regroup, refocus here, and get ready for the next game. Hey, Elaine. Um, it, it seemed like the the big issue, as you imply, was you know breakdowns defensively, neutral zone, defensive zone. You said earlier in the year when you guys were struggling in that area that a lot of that was on the forwards. Did did you see that tonight, or was the defense the the defense been more at issue? Uh, you know, tonight. Uh, Coots's line brought their A game. Uh, I, I would say the other three lines, and I mixed and matched. They're looking for 
uh, some some chemistry, some jump, um, and uh, obviously Kutz's line played a real strong game. We needed a little bit more from the other guys, obviously. Um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know this is a, a team game and a team effort, and uh, we lost tonight as a team, and we're going to find a way to to rebound here and get ready for the next game. Well, Elaine, Elaine, what is your um, uh, level of concern with the power play? And, um, you know, given the condensed schedule and the inability to practice, uh, how do you guys kind of find your way through that? Yeah, the power play could have made a difference for us today in today's game. There's no doubt. Uh, had those opportunities early, had some looks. Their goaltender made some real big saves because we had quite a few looks. In the third period, power play at the beginning, and uh, you know, we, we got another power play right after that. Would have, would have had an opportunity to make it 3-2 for us. Uh, could have been a, a game changer. I, I like the looks we're getting. I, I think we're, uh, you know, working the right way. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I believe if you play the game the right way, if you do the right things on the power play, uh, you're going to get the results that you want to get. We don't have those results at this moment, but we're going to continue to work, whether it's right now it's through video, uh, morning skates, uh, but we're going to find a way to uh, get this to work. Hi, Elaine. Uh, what was the atmosphere in the building like with actual fans there? Well, it was the first time in, in a long time where we heard actual real fan uh, noises. So, you know, instead of the, the background uh, sounds that we were we've been hearing since uh, bubble. So, uh, it, it was it was good to see. I'm more looking forward to hearing from our fans. Uh, and uh, we need I need to get my team ready here for the next game. Yeah, Elaine, was this a game where it's kind of hard to judge Carter just based on the quality of dance he was saying that so much the number? I mean, Carter did what a goaltender has to do here. He gave us a chance tonight. Uh, you know, he made the big save on the on the breakaway in a three-two game, uh, and we don't uh, you know make the right play. They come down four on two and tic-tac-toe, and it's in the back of the net. So that's not his fault. And the goal that made it five-two. I mean, we're uh, trying to pull him, and uh, we don't make the right play through the neutral zone. It's in the back of an empty net. Uh, Elaine Vigneault, after the loss to the Penguins, addressing the media. Let's get right to Twitter questions because we've got a bunch that have come in, and a lot of good ones. All right, let's start off with uh, Anthony, Spunky41182. Anthony is a frequent texter to Flyers Daily. He said, similar mistakes have been made during the season like the ones tonight, but is it fair to think the change of opponent from a seemingly weak Buffalo to a resurgent Pens may have played significantly into tonight's loss, in your opinion? Well, of course. I mean, the Penguins were without Crosby. Uh, the Penguins are a team that's been very good at home. They went into the game 7-1 and one at PPG Paints Arena, 8-1 and one now. So they're a team, and they were 6-3 and three coming into the game, 7-3 and three now, since the change was made at the general manager position, hiring Ron Hextall and Brian Burke as the team's president. So, yeah, they had been playing better. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think they're a team that also, with Crosby out, everybody raises the level of their game when – yeah, your best player and your leader is out. Um, that's something that's sustainable for a game, but is that sustainable beyond that? When I think that's when it truly hurts, not that first game, the ones subsequent games. Pittsburgh's a better team than Buffalo, no doubt about it. And they played a better game than the Flyers. And the Flyers were the cause of some of their issues as well. Bad turnovers. Flyers had opportunities. They didn't cash in. Power play didn't cash in and didn't execute well enough. To me, that's the reason why you lost. It wasn't so much what the Penguins did, 
although they were decent and I thought they were, they were good in the game. Um, to me, it was more what the Flyers didn't do. Um, John McClain tweets in and he says, why does the power play always rely on the slingshots starting behind their own blue line? Seems to me the purpose is to back the D off and force them to be flat-footed at the offensive blue line so you can gain zone with speed. Doing it early seems to be ineffective and counterintuitive. Well, you want a slingshot, yeah, right around the blue line. And the reason, a lot of people ask this question, I've never addressed it before on Flyers Daily. Why do that drop pass uh, just as you get into the neutral zone on a power play for a zone entry. Well, one, you can do it on the power play because the team is sitting back. They're not forechecking. And two, what it does is it allows the player that receives the drop pass, Drew is often the guy that gets it, or a guy like Jake Voracek or even Sean Couturier. Kevin Hayes does sometimes as well, but you want to come through with a little more speed than he tends to come with. Uh, but what it does is it lets them see how they're aligned and work to the weak side of, of how they're defending you. So you almost come up one side slingshot, go to the weak side, and that allows for an easier zone entry. And plus, when as soon as a player attacks the zone entry puck carrier after the slingshot, then it's an easy dish off to a guy on the wall, a winger on the wall, and then it's an easy zone entry, and then you can get set up. There was a study done that I read a little while back that teams that use the slingshot did average more zone time and more shots as a result of zone time on their power plays than teams that carried it in in a traditional method or try to stretch pass. So it is something that it does work at obtaining the zone and being able to get set up better. But once you get in the zone and you get set up, the slingshot doesn't matter anymore. It's all about executing on the power play, creating good opportunities, moving the puck, and finding a way to exploit the fact that the other team's got four players on the ice and you have five. Ryan Claggett tweets in and says, how do you fix the power play? I know they haven't had much time to practice, but it's just awful. Uh, They came into the game 18th, I I believe, on the power play. Yeah, they came in 18th on the power play. Um, It's been good at times, and it's been bad at times. And it's kind of been feast or famine. Uh, They had three power play goals in one game a little while back. They went three for four. But you're right. The, The lack of practice time is in effect. They have the players. They've made some changes in the way that they deploy their power play unit and talking to Mike Yo yesterday and on yesterday's episode talked about like with special teams, a lot of it has to be done video because you just don't have the practice time. Um, they dedicated a little practice time to the penalty kill last week. I imagine they may dedicate a little time to the power play today after going over five um, and make it a high, high priority. They have the weapons out there and the ability to move the puck and be successful but they went 0 for 5 against a team that's not very good on the penalty kills. So uh, that's part of the equation. I think they'll work on that. Uh, Dry Island 1817, good Twitter handle, buddy, uh, tweets in and says, When will Chuck Fletcher wake up and improve the roster? You got to have a dance partner. We're not seeing a lot of trades around the NHL just yet. We're five weeks away from the deadline. We'll see how he attacks this. You have a, an expansion draft that is looming, and there's a bunch of questions from people about this. Like Derek says, What do the Flyers need to get? to do to get to a top pair defenseman to pair alongside Provorov. Well, there is other ramifications here, and it is the expansion draft, which is a unique circumstance. So the one guy's name that's out there is Matthias Ekholm from the Nashville Predators. He's a big 6'4", 220-pound defenseman that is more defensive-minded and will help them. If they were to acquire him, he would help them defensively. He can play. He plays 21-plus minutes a night in Nashville. He's a very good NHL defenseman. He's 31. He has a year on his contract beyond this season. So the thing you have to consider when improving the roster, you'd like to get a right-handed defenseman on an expiring contract, right? That's the perfect scenario. 
The only problem there is is there's not a lot of those guys available that are going to be a top pair or top four D-man that you can get with those exact parameters. And when you have this expansion draft, if you acquired Matias Ekholm with that year left and didn't protect him, whatever you trade to get him, and you're not going to be able to just throw a bag of pucks and a third-round pick at Nashville and get him, you have the chance to end up losing and having nothing to show for it. Because if you do protect him, then you can't protect one of your young defensemen in pro Roth Sandheimer Myers. And if you don't protect one of those three, they're gone. They're gone. If you don't protect Ekholm, he might be gone. It's a risk. So if you want to give up a first-round pick and Bobby Brink, and they end up taking Matias Ekholm, and you don't win a cup, you traded for Matias Ekholm, you don't have him, and you lost those two players, or the pick and the player. So there's a lot to consider there. Um, Philly444 tweets, and he says, January 23rd, I asked you if they could fire my— Mike Terrian, because the power play sucked. You replied they scored three power play goals last game, brother. Still feel like the power play is okay? No, I mean, obviously, they're coming off an 0 for 5, and that's I think that's the biggest reason why they lost the game. Uh, so, no, the power play was not good enough. It's been erratic, and I agree with that. Mike Terrian's not on the ice. and They have the personnel. They haven't executed well enough. Uh, I, I don't— I know people always, when the PK stinks, they want to fire the PK coach. When the power play stinks, they want to fire the power play coach. Players play, coaches coach. Okay? Mike Tarrant, one of the great power play players of his generation, Joey Mullen was the power play coach. And Flyers' power play would struggle. They'd ask for his head. Players play, coaches coach. You can put a plan in place. The game is played on ice with a piece of vulcanized rubber. It doesn't always go according to plan because Mike Tarion or anybody else draws it up a certain way. It still has to be executed against an opponent that's trying to do everything to stop you. If you want to fire Mike Tarion, that's your prerogative. I, I don't think that it's on him. I think that th- they've put different ways of attacking on the power play into play, and they haven't executed it. And it, ha- it didn't result in a goal in that game. They need to be better on it. Uh, what do the Flyers need to do to get a top parent? All right, CSO ESQ and Brian in South Jersey ESQ. Very similar question. I saw this one a couple times as well. Um, CCOSQ says, is it time to give up on Nolan Patrick? And Brian said, will Nolan Patrick ever become an impact player? Um, okay, so let's answer these together. It's not time to give up on Nolan Patrick. I know that he is struggling right now, and his impact on the game is not nearly great enough. And we consider, and we talked to Mike Yo about this as well, he didn't play hockey for an entire season, and he is notoriously, at least in his NHL career so far, a slow starter. Year one, he was a slow starter, had a really good second half. Year two, was a slow starter, had a really good second half. If you could just put those two second halves together, you'd have a really good season. He hasn't done that yet. I got to give the guy a little more latitude with how much time that he missed. He's a tremendously talented player, um, but he needs to compete a little bit more. Prior to the Pittsburgh game, he competed harder, I think, in the three or four games le- leading into the Penguins game last night. Uh, but that needs to become his religion because the only way you're going to have success at the NHL level is to compete. Like, Drew is is a guy that has always competed his butt off. That's why he has untapped the full skill set that he has is because he has the skills, but he's also an insane competitor. And that's really why he is where he is. Sean Money D tweets in and says, why does this team try to be so cute with the puck and passing? It seems like they turn it over more than half the time, 
when there are simple plays to be made. So I guess, let me just ask this real quick. And I'm not, I'm not going to get an answer because I'm sitting in my studio and you put the question on Twitter. I guess the play to be made would be a shot um, instead of passing because that's kind of your question. Look, in the NHL, to score, you need to move the puck east-west, side to side. You can't just come in straight line, play anymore, and get a bomb of a shot off and beat goalies. You have to do that. You have to be creative offensively. Look at the Pittsburgh power play goal. Three passes from the high slot to the guy. Now, the high slot, that's a high dangerous place to take a pass. Carter Hart's really good in the NHL uh, at making those saves. Person with the puck, Brian Rust on this occasion, looks up, sees Hart's there. He's got it covered. He's got a good angle. He's square to the shot. He has to make a pass. He makes it to the left side of the net to, I forget who it was, oh, to Jake Gensel, and he puts it across the crease, then to Casperi uh, Kapitan for the goal. This is all, all these passes took place in the da- high danger area. The reason why? Because you have to get a goalie moving to beat them. That's what it takes at the NHL level. You look at the goal that the, the Penguins scored off the rush. It was the Cody Cece goal. All five Penguins touched the puck. It crossed the, the middle of the ice, the puck, three times before the actual shot to go in went in. You have to move the puck. You can't just take straight line shots on goaltenders and clear-sighted shots because they will eat you up. That, that, that doesn't do you any good. You have to shoot with a purpose, and you have to move the puck east-west in today's game to be able to beat this kind of goaltending. All right, let's answer these two questions. Dave Skutnik, who says, is their defense system right now right for the players they have? It seems that there are always men left alone in front of the net or behind the D. Is it a zone coverage issue, scheme, just mistakes, or personal problem? And Tyler Thurlow says, defense looks out of position a lot recently. Is it simply inexperience, or does the defense need to be reworked? Any thoughts on a potential trade to shore up the defense? We talked about Ekholm, so let's attack it from the, the defensive scheme or game plan perspective yeah on the one goal two Pittsburgh Penguin players down below the bottom of the circle and they got underneath the two flyer defenders in this case it was Ivan Provorov and Shane Gossespierre leaving one guy in front of the net in a five-on-five situation not good leaving two guys in front of your goaltender to bang away on a rebound really not good yeah that is a mistake it was a horrible mistake you cannot have two guys getting behind your D with no coverage, no one there to tie up sticks, try to break up the play. That's bad. The one goal, too, off the rush, Provorov cuts the play off at the boards, and then there's now, again, two Penguins behind the Flyers' D. That's bad gap. That's bad gap control. It's not good, and no, that cannot happen. It's not a system thing, in my opinion, at all. It's players overplaying the situation, moving up the ice too far, and not covering the guy that they need to cover, especially net front. Rebound goals, easiest way to score in the league. And they got one tonight. Bobby Gleason says, trade scenario, Nolan Patrick and Cam York for Jack Eichel. Is that fair or not enough? Add a first-round pick. I'd really like to see Eichel. Could he be had? Um, okay, Jack Eichel makes $10 million a year. Flyers don't have that kind of cap space. And if you trade Nolan Patrick and Cam York in a first-round pick, you don't create that cap space. Not many teams can fit Jack Eichel's contract. I don't think he's going to be traded anyway, but you would have to go way further than that. James Shiner tweets in. He says, what's going on with Carter Hart? Just a lack of consistent D. It looks like five goals. Five, Carter gave up five goals. He actually gave up four because he was being pulled when the fifth one was scored. Look at the goals. Were they on him? I don't think so. 
I, I didn't see any of the goals where I went, ooh, that was shaky, or eh, he could have had that, or he should have had that. I mean, look, a breakaway for the first goal. The second goal is that power play goal where three guys down low have that passing play, and Kasperi Kapanen ends up picking up the power play goal. Third goal. So, no, I, I don't have a problem with any of the goals that he given up. Um, goaltending is a product of environment as well, and the environment in the Penguins game was not good. All right, let's tackle these two together. Christian Junta says, A.V. going to go to Moose on Thursday night. And Gabe Stoller says, do the Flyers play a cleaner game in front of Elliott? If yes, why? I I don't know how he's going to deploy his goalies. I'll be honest with you. I would think that he would go to Brian Elliott on Thursday night. But you also have a back-to-back situation this weekend. Thursday will start three games in four days. They're playing Thursday, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday evening against the Caps back home. So uh, I don't know how he's going to kind of play this out. If he goes to Elliott on Thursday, then does he go to Elliott again Saturday to play Hart at home against the Caps on Sunday? We'll have to see how he handles this. As far as the Flyers playing a cleaner game in front of Elliott, I don't think so. Um, Brian Elliott had a 40-save shutout the first time against uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, he also, in the game against the New York Rangers, he saw a fair amount of shots. I, I, I think it's the same team in front of him. It's just the circumstance has been a little bit different which is why the numbers look a little bit crooked. Crooked. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Thanks to everybody for tweeting in. Appreciate it. Flyers will be back on Thursday. And again, it's a tough loss. I didn't like the game. It was a frustrating game. 0 for 5 on the power play with the pieces that they can put on the ice is a killer. And they got to get the power play fixed and more consistent. They're back at it on Thursday against the Pens once again. Uh, I would imagine Crosby will not be playing. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. But I get this is a frustrating loss. In the meantime, everybody, try and have a great day. I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's flyers. Tomorrow.